What's up, Frog fans? Austin Flanagan here with you for a brand new season of Frog Pod. We are no longer live in the KTCU studios. All of these episodes from here on out, until further notice, I should say, will be taking place live from my mom's office. Thank you to my lovely mother for allowing me to use her office space to record these podcasts. So before we dive into the schematics of the show, letting you guys know that Mr. Taylor for now will not be able to join us. We're looking forward to maybe in the future working in a way where he can be on the pod and offer everything that he has to offer, his insights, his trends, his thinking, uh, because truthfully the show would not be what it is without him. So trying to get him involved as best as we can, hopefully by next week. But going forward today, we're going to have a preview of the upcoming season. We're talking about the quarterback situation as we go into Boulder. We're going to talk about what the team looks like. Just go over each position group and give you an idea of what that looks like. We're going to talk about specifically the game on Friday night. As I record this, it's about Wednesday afternoon. So we're going to talk about what to expect in a little bit over 48 hours from both the Frogs and from the Buffaloes of Colorado. We're going to talk about betting this game as well as TCU's whole entire season. The season for TCU, just in general, what I think this team can do and what they will do. And then we'll also talk about the Big 12, which is the most wide open conference in all of college football. I say that the Big 12 is the best conference in college sports just because of the nature of the schools, the the talent that comes in here, you know, kind of how we're overlooked. We're not going to be the SEC or the Big 10 anytime soon, probably ever, but that's okay because we have an identity here in the Big 12 and I'm I'm proud proud to be a part of it. So we're going to get into that as well. First off, we're talking about something that everyone wants to talk about, it seems like. The only thing people want to talk about now in terms of TCU is about the quarterback position. So Sonny Dykes recently came out and said that he will play all three quarterbacks. We don't know who will be the one to take the first snaps. This comes as a surprise as many within TCU's close internet circle thought that Chandler Morris would be named QB1. I have some intel on really what happened there, but due to my sources not wanting me to go public with that for obvious reasons, we will hold off on that until after Friday. Maybe we'll get a little clearer picture, but in my personal opinion, I do not think we will have a quarterback named by this time next week or the week after that. I think that this is going to be not a battle, but just a process is a better word at this point, a process that will take us past Tarleton and we probably will get a true, we'll know who the true starter will be going into SMU. That's going to be a big game for not only the TCU program, but for whoever's the starting quarterback and as well as the whole entire DFW Metroplex, September 24th in Dallas. Hopefully the Iron Skillet returns home. So talking about these quarterbacks, Sam Jackson, Max Duggan, Chandler Morris, they are all the guys who are seem to be battling for the QB position. The clear front runners going into fall camp were Max Duggan and Chandler Morris because those guys had the experience. Sam Jackson, redshirting last year, uh, never really got true in-game experience except for outside of Oklahoma State and the tune-up game versus Duquesne. So basically, we've seen what we can get out of Max Duggan, and this is a new system, but we know what Max is. He's a great athlete. He can use his feet well. He's a smart passer, but he definitely has some limitations in the passing game. Chandler Morris, on the other hand, we all remember what he did last year at Baylor. My last true college experience game day when Chandler led us in the upset first game of the Jerry Kill era, as short-lived as that was, and 
the first game post Gary Patterson. So we see a guy that has the electricity to be able to make plays at a high level versus some very good defenses. That Baylor defense last year was no joke. People f- seem to forget outside the Big 12 that Baylor team not only won the Big 12, but they won the Sugar Bowl against a very good Ole Miss team coached by Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby. Taylor Morris can play at a high level, but there's questions about consistency and style and maybe attitude going into the season that might raise questions. And then we go with Sam Jackson, probably the biggest question mark here. I think that it's not a wild take to say that Sam Jackson has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this room. He's a very athletic kid, by far the fastest quarterback in my opinion. Um, He does have to fix some things when it comes to him passing, but that will come in time. I believe that Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes right now are in a good spot and they know what they're doing here per se. So I would say if you're a Frog fan that might be frustrated about what we're doing because, you know, the old saying is if you don't, if you have two, or in this case, three quarterbacks, then you really don't have one. I think that I trust these guys in this situation to do the right thing because the quarterback position on this team is, in my opinion, the second most important one for this team going forward in terms of uncertainty and what we need to get out of them if TCU wants to return to that high level. So with that being said, people might say, well, why would you say the quarterback's number one? Obviously, the quarterback position is the most important position on a field, and you know quarterbacks take teams to that next level or can bring the teams back a level, as we've seen the past couple of years in certain scenarios. But I think that when you look at this team overall, the position group that needs to be focused on the most is defensive line. Last year, teams dominated TCU, the line of scrimmage, pushed us around. We saw it against SMU. We saw it against Texas. We saw it against Oklahoma State. And we saw it against Iowa State. Teams were able to run the football down TCU's throats. And really, that's just something that's never TCU fans have never been really used to. And this year, I think it will be different because it's going to the 3-3-5 with Joe Gillespie. Uh, the defensive line starters, as named by the depth chart, will be Dylan Horton, Dominic Williams, who's a 17-year-old true freshman, and on the other side of Dylan Horton will be Terrell Cooper. The 3-3-5 is such an interesting defense. I don't have time to really break it down how it goes in there. But in a three-down set, you sometimes send linebackers, so you could have three guys rushing the passer dropping eight, or you, in reality, could have six, seven guys rushing the passer and dropping back four or five. It, it all depends you can get a lot of different looks in the 3-3-5. It's a defense that is very, very tough to learn, which is which we'll get into a little bit later. But the 3-3-5, when it works to perfection and when it's executed right, is one of the toughest defenses now in modern football to go up against. We see that with Baylor last year, with Iowa State, Kansas State, and now Ohio State will be running some sort of vari- variation of it with Jim Knowles up there in Columbus. So... This defense is one that works. You can, like I said, drop eight, rush three, or rush seven, drop four, and myriad of combos in between there. But the defensive line needs to be able to hold their own, and I think that's actually a bright spot that Dominic Williams, a true freshman, is in there because if you look at who he was competing against, as I look over my sheet right here, my apologies, if you look over the sheet, the depth chart that we got, Dominic Williams, a true freshman, is starting over Sony Misi, who is a senior. They're the exact same height and weight, 6'2", 320 pounds, but Williams is a freshman. Meese's a senior. So you would think that the senior get the nod there, but Sonny Dice has said often, whoever gives us the best chance of winning is going to play. And so clearly, 
the fact that a 17-year-old beat out a senior is kudos to him. It's going to be very interesting to see his development. I think that he has the ability to be a future All-American at that position. Steve Avila said in this presser not too long ago that he expects Williams to be a freshman All-American. That's the kind of expectations he has, and that's coming from one of the best interior linemen in the country. Next up, we have our linebacking core. The starters, apparently, I say apparently because who, who knows, will be D winners, Jamoy Hodge, Johnny Hodges. You're getting guys that are all about 6'1", 6'2", and they're all pretty big guys that can, they like to fly around. And D winners last year, we learned that, in my opinion, as great of a player as he is, he's not a middle linebacker. He's got to be on to a side. That's where he did best. The year where Garrett Wallow did so great and D winners, people said, was almost better than Garrett Wallow was because that D winners wasn't the man in the middle. Now he's moving to strong side linebacker where I expect him to have a very good year. He's put on a lot of weight while not losing any speed, so he's going to be even better in the run game. Really excited to watch him. Heard great things about Johnny Hodges, a transfer out of Navy, just an old-style fashion football player that wants to go and hit people. That's what we need on this team. And then Jamoy Hodges, an athletic freak, um, the junior, stands at 6'2", 245 pounds. He's going to be really fun to watch. I think that at his peak, he can be one of the best linebackers in the Big 12. And then the part that everyone knows so well about this TCU defense is the secondary. This is the part of the team that I am least concerned about um, going into the season just because of the depth. I think this is the deepest position that TCU has on the defensive side of the ball. You got Trey Hodges Tomlinson, Keon Stewart, Mark Perry, Nuke Bradford, Bud Clark, Josh Newton, Noah Daniels, all those guys can play at a high level, and we've heard great things about all those guys. Josh Newton is starting ahead of Noah Daniels. Some of that might be because Noah Daniels still is not 100%, but we've also heard that Josh Newton is making plays all over in practice. The quarterbacks have said it. Paul Gonzalez has said it uh, about the room. Uh, Buckles has said it, the cornerback coach. So the fact that Josh Newton, the junior transfer out of Louisiana Monroe, is getting the nod should speak volumes to this team and where the secondary is, considering that he is starting above um, the talented and veteran Noah Daniels, who hopefully will be at 100% come Friday. Now we're going to transition to the offensive side of the ball. This is a side of the ball that TCU fans should be very excited about. While the defense still has a lot of question marks, and we'll get into that a little bit later, you're looking at an offense that, with Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley, we know is going to put up points. If not, we have major issues, but I don't think we'll have those issues anytime soon. Whoever's a quarterback for TCU is going to have the opportunity to sling the ball all across the yard. TCU has a myriad of weapons, so whether it's Max Duggan, Chandler Morris, or Sam Jackson, here are the guys that they will have the option of throwing to, not including the running backs. Quinton Johnston, Blair Conright, and Quincy Brown are your ex-receivers. Your H receivers are Tay Barber, Darius Davis, and Gunnar Henderson. That alone, if you just count those six, definitely top half. You're talking about even top three, top two in the Big 12. At your Y, which is kind of like a kind of like a tight end in a way. We really haven't gotten to see Sonny Dykes' offense and how he's going to run it here per se. But your Y wide receiver is going to be Jaquarius Spivey, DJ Rogers to back him up. And at the Z, who, so who will be opposite of Quentin Johnson and those guys will be Savion Williams, Blake Knoll, or the five-star freshman, Jordan Hudson. Jordan Hudson is going to be an absolute dog, ladies and gentlemen. If you have a young child who might be five or six, I go online and customize number seven Hudson jersey because he is going to be that dude. He's going to be that dude. And then at tight end, we have Jared Wiley, Dominic Denuzio, and Carter Ware. So, yeah, guys that can throw the, that can catch the football, make plays in space. Whoever's the quarterback, 
basically your job is just get them the football and let them make plays. You'll have guys you can go deep with, but there are so many guys on here. Darius Davis, who's the king of the dead leg. I haven't seen anyone dead leg like Darius Davis in a TCU uniform maybe ever. Gunnar Henderson is super shifty, uh, former walk-on that's came on. He's third string at his position, and he's still to get reps. TCU, just because you're the third string in this wide receiving court, it's not me. You're not going to be on the field. TCU will be going high tempo, and we're going to be rotating guys in and out, and it's going to be a very fun system to watch because so many guys are going to be able to get a chance to make plays. And I think that's going to bode well for TCU down the long stretch because as we go, as we'll talk about later, the Big 12 screwed TCU again when it comes to scheduling. I don't know how it always happens to TCU, but TCU gets screwed. We'll talk about that later. Then we go to the, another question mark, which is the offensive line. Excuse me. The offensive line um, last year did well in the run, but they could not defend the pass very well. It seems like Max Duggan never really had ample time against quality opponents to throw the ball. Chandler Morris, even against Baylor last year, had to make some Houdini-type plays, which we saw was advantageous and ultimately might have been one of the biggest reasons we won that game was because of escapability in the pocket. So the offensive line this year, we got Brandon Coleman at left tackle, Steve Avila at left guard, Alan Ali at center, John Lancer, West Harris at right guard, Andrew Cooker at right tackle. I'm very confident in that group. I think that group is with A.J. Ricker, now at the helm of the offensive line is going to be way more aggressive and way better mentally. That's going to be the biggest thing. And it seemed like last year we had the physicality at points, but we didn't have the mentality and the technique to really take that next step. I expect fully for that group to take that next step in terms of mentality and be able to be, at the very worst, an average unit in the Big 12. Like I said, at the very worst. And then finally, we go to the running back group. The running backs listed are Kendra Miller, Amari DiMarcato, Trent Battle, and Amani Bailey. All those guys offer different things to, on the table. I hate to use the word things, but that's the, the work on the mind right now. Kendra Miller is the closest we have to a bell cow, standing at six foot two twenty. He's just going to be a monster. I know we lost Zach Evans, but people need to remember Kendra Miller had just as many yards per touch as Zach Evans did last year. Does it look as good as Zach Evans? Probably not, but Kendra Miller is still a potential all-Big 12 running back. Amari DiMarcato, he is one of the best pass-blocking running backs in the country. Zach Evans did that very well. Amari DiMarcato does it just as, if not better, than Zach Evans. Really excited to have Amari back for his senior campaign. Trent Battle, the former quarterback redshirt freshman, has transitioned to running back. We'll see what he offers. Don't really have too much intel on his style of play and what he might have to offer for the Frogs. But very excited to see him touch the ball in different ways. He stands in at six foot one. 205 pounds, our tallest running back, who he might be the goal line option. That's just a pure guess, no idea. And then Imani Bailey, who shows that he has big playability out of the backfield. So th this offense has the pieces, and we have Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes working on it. You know you're going to get just a myriad of ways of moving the football, and you know there's going to be trick plays. You know there's going to be different formations that catch teams off guard. I personally think that Garrett Riley is going to be a Power 5 head coach in the next three years, hopefully longer, because I hope he always stays here at TCU and makes our offense great again. But um, just the way that he coaches and the style that he has, we saw it at SMU. He made Tanner Mordecai a Heisman finalist within last year in the first month, month and a half of the season. People forget about that. Tanner Mordecai was leading all of college football in yards and touchdowns and least amount of interceptions, all that. So this, Garrett Riley has... He's a special mind. He, In fact, he is 
of the same mind as Lincoln Riley in some ways. So hopefully he can channel uh, something from his brother and bring us to great heights on the offense side of the ball. So that's just the team outlook, giving you a quick little preview of each side of the football. But next we're going to talk about Colorado. I've been searching online, uh, Twitter, message boards, fan pages. Colorado thinks we're an easy win. Not easy win, but a winnable game, an easy winnable game for them. There's a reason the spread's 13 and a half, and I'll touch on that line in a second. But what Colorado's good at is they have a good front seven and like to run the ball. So they think that based off last year, oh, TCU didn't have a very good offensive line, we'll be able to smother their quarterbacks, and they didn't have a very good defensive line, we'll be able to run the ball on them. This ain't the same team, ladies and gentlemen. If any Buffalo fans are listening right now, this offensive line's improved, and this ain't the same defense that was last year. You can't even bring that up because this defense is now motivated. It's a completely different scheme. It's going to be a completely different look. So for all the Colorado fans that think that that's going to be the way they're going to win this game, it very well may be, but don't base off of last year's TCU team because, frankly, I don't think we'll have any similarities on last year's team except for an offense that's going to be able to move the ball in some ways. Next, we're going to go with uh, betting on this game, and I think that many of you are curious into uh, the history of this line. It opened up at 8 back in June, I believe, this line came out. And I got this line at nine. I'm now officially allowed to say that I am a gambling man due to my age of 21 and living in a legally, excuse me, in a state that legalizes sports gambling. So I have touched this line. I have money on TCU to cover nine points. I got the line at nine. Since the depth chart was released, that spread has bolted all the way up to 13 and a half. 13 and a half, and you don't even know who the quarterback is going to be for the majority of the game. So I do think the Frogs can cover this. I think that... TCU's not going to have a problem scoring. It's just a matter of if we can stop Colorado from scoring some touchdowns and put the nail in the coffin. I'm going to go with over 55. I think that TCU is going to score a lot of points. The team total over-under is 34.5. I'm going over there. I think we score 35 points. That's too much to ask with the tempo we're going to go with. Hopefully, whoever the quarterback is can stay in there and be consistent. But I think 35 points is very attainable for this TCU team. I would actually even try to get more juicier odds of going over 40 points. I think this TCU team can crack 40. But with the total game total at 55, I'm going to go over there. I can easily see a 42 to 14 game. Now that's huge. It's basically doubling the spread, but that's definitely a score that I could see maybe garbage time plus, you know, this new defense. Maybe it's a 42-21 game. So I know people like to say that, oh, it's a first game of the season, it's a high over. I think that it's going to affect the defenses more than it will the offense. So my official play is Frogs cover and the over. Also, life is too short to bet the under. Now let's talk about TCU's whole entire season. This is a tough one. The over-under for TCU this year is six and a half wins. I think TCU personally goes over. Seven and five would have to be, a, if I... Put a gun to my head. What's TCU's record going to be this year? Seven and five. That's what I'm going with. I had to think about, you know, first year under a head coach, yada, yada, yada. Seven and five. This seems like a safe bet. I don't, this team is definitely better than last year's team. And we, you think about it, we went five and seven last year. You flip the win against SMU that makes you six and six. You might flip the loss against Baylor, go back to five and seven. You just got to find two games that you lost last year that you can win this year. And I think that there um, will definitely be opportunity for that looking at ie west virginia kansas state both of those teams while going to be improved are winnable games this year 
And I think the sweet spot this season is that Oklahoma game. Oklahoma, historically, when TCU plays them, has NFL-quality offensive line talent. They don't have that this year. And with this 3-3-5 defense, you're going to need a solid offensive line. And I don't think that OU is going to face a defensive front that will be able to confuse them and spread them out like TCU's will before we play them in AMG Carter Stadium. So I think that if I had to go for a surefire underdog win by the Frogs, it will be against Oklahoma. And actually, as of right now, uh, future betting lines has TCU as a four-point underdog versus the Sooners. So four points is very small margin of error right there. So um, this TCU team, I think, goes over 7-5. and five, But at the same time, this is a team that easily, in my opinion, could go 8-4. and four, And if the ball bounces the right way, 9-3. and three. It's a possibility. But at the same time, this team could barely squeeze into a bowl game. There's so many question marks. We don't know, truthfully, how strong our strengths are or how weak our weaknesses are yet. And that's going to be the key focal point and what we need to learn with Colorado. Iron out some things against Tarleton and then truthfully go all in with SMU. We need to find out how strong are our strength, and how weak are our weaknesses. And then uh, the Big 12 in general. I said earlier that the Big 12 is, in my opinion, the best conference in the whole entire country, and this year we are definitely going to be the most wide-open conference in Power 5, if not the whole entire country, because we're the only P5 conference that has more than half the league at 12, excuse me, at 20 to 1 odds or less to win the title. So that means that there are... And there's no favorite, excuse me, there, well, there is a favorite, it's Oklahoma, but there's no minus odds. Ohio State is minus odds to win the Big Ten. Um, Alabama is minus odds to win the SEC. Utah is plus 200 to win the Pac-12. OU, who's the favorite in the Big 12, plus 225 right now, I'm looking at on FanDuel, to win the Big 12. So, and then obviously ACC, Clemson is back to being a minus odds after they're down, quote unquote, down year last year. So I think that this year is wide open. If I had to make a prediction right now, I think Baylor and OU make the championship game. I myself will be releasing on my Twitter what I think the final rankings will be via Playoff Predictor. Playoff Predictor is a great website that allows you to predict all Power 5 games across the country, even some G5 games. If you want to go to to find out what you think can happen this season, go to playoffpredictors.com and implement every result for every game in college football this year. That's playoffpredictor.com. little ad read there for Playoff Predictor. They did not sponsor the show, but I thought I'd give them a nice plug-in here because it's a very fun website to use. But look out for that on my Twitter, aflanagan619, uh, coming in the next 48 hours. Well, that's it for me uh, here, my first solo pod in quite some time. Um, I hope that this whole experience went smoothly for you guys. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the listen. Like I said, we're trying to get Mr. Taylor on the podcast in some way, shape, or form. Hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, because like I said, without Mr. Taylor, Frog Pot is not what it is. And he offers so much more to this show. He brings in different thoughts and perspectives. And uh, him and I just really have enjoyed what we did over the course of the past two years with Frog Pot and growing it to what it is today. But uh, that will be it for me. Uh, follow me on social media, Austin Flanagan. You can find me on Instagram at Austin underscore Flanagan 99. Twitter, a Flanagan 619. You can follow FrogPod on frogpod.live on Instagram. Uh, feel free to DM me uh, any questions you might have. You just want to talk TCU football. It's probably the only thing I'm good at anymore right now as I sit here recording this. I'm 
so juiced as we're so close to college football being back America's greatest sport, the world's greatest sport. Honestly, there's nothing like college football coming back into our lives. So stay with us. Uh, get, you can get us wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music. Don't, don't forget to subscribe to it, follow it, like every video you can, like the pod, grow the pod. We have currently 16 reviews right now on Spotify. Keep growing that. Keep bringing it up. Uh, it helps me grow the podcast. People see it and know it's very niche audience, this TCU, but nonetheless, uh, it's something that I think all TCU fans should enjoy. So with that being said, next time I talk to you will be next week after hopefully a win over the Buffaloes of Colorado. And uh, with that being said, make every day your best day and God bless.